Welcome back. And uh, we have a surprise episode here, Two Dope Teachers and a Mic. I'm Gerardo Munoz. I'm Kevin Adams, and we're back again. Uh, we want to start out before we get into our exciting episode. Guess what, guys? We got guests in the studio. Guests today. in the studio. Woo! Yeah, it's exciting. <laughs> it's exciting. So uh, I want to remind you guys of a, kind of our ground rules. Uh, first of all, we operate on uh, a condition of anonymity. Anybody who uses their name has chosen to do so. Uh, we are teachers in the Denver metro area. We don't cuss because we don't know how to edit <laughs> and because we're under strict orders. And yes. of course, we have our guest here today, so we want to like set the bar really we high. Got, we got company. We got company <laughs> in, the, in the plush uh, Two Dope Teachers uh, studio. The official Two Dope Teachers studio. I feel like we need to start putting things up. And just like, and just so that people are like, what's this? Oh, that's a recording studio. We need like a cat. <laughs> you can't use that room. In there. We do. <laughs> we need all that stuff. A dartboard. Um, yeah, so we are merely two public school teachers um, in the city of Denver. Um, we aim to raise questions relating to race, class, power, and privilege as they play out in our public schools. And we want to highlight the stories um, of teachers in general, but uh, teachers of color who are out there. Uh, shout out to everybody. So we want to, uh, before we get into this week's topic, uh, first of all, surprise, you get a bonus episode. Don't get used to it. Uh, don't start getting spoiled. Uh, this is our Two Dope Students episode, um, and we'll talk a little bit about who we have in studio and what they will be sharing with us. Um, in addition, I just want to thank everybody for the likes. Uh, we have, we're up pushing 150 likes on Facebook. Ooh. Really exciting stuff, so it's cool. More people are, are discovering what we're doing. Uh, we've got... We've got partners listening to us from Cali all the way to NYC. So coast to coast. shout out to Oakland, shout out to LA, shout out to the Bronx, shout out to Atlanta, ATL. shout out um, to, to Eagle Rock up in Estes yes, Park. Right. You guys have been giving us a lot of love yeah. and uh, really appreciate all that. Um, remember, you can contact us at twodopeteachers at gmail.com. You want to send us some emails. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter, twodopeteachers, T-O-O. And uh, you can also like us on Facebook. So um, this week we have a pretty special treat, wouldn't you say? I think this is like what we have created this podcast for is to have voices like this. That's right. At the table because this is like the real stuff. This is the real stuff. So um, at our school, uh, some of you may be aware, I don't know if we're dropping any breaking news here, but there is a presidential inauguration um, (laughs) just a few days ago. Did you guys hear? No. No. No no idea? Okay. So uh, a couple marches, a few marches. One of of my favorite uh, things that Mr. Adams says is that there were some people feeling some kind of way um, <laughs> regarding the inauguration of uh, President Donald J. Trump. And uh, so what we had in our building was uh, a group of students who organized a rally. And uh, and they are here to sort of talk about their experiences. So first of all, if we could just go from here to here, y'all can't see because it's audio, um, <laughs> but the students know what I'm doing. And just uh, say your first name and your grade. Uh, hi, I'm Yasin, and I'm a junior in high school. Hi, I'm Leslie. I'm also a junior in high school. I'm Lucero. I'm also a junior in high school. I'm Ampo, and I feel old now, but I'm a senior. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, you don't know old because I'm more than double your age. <laughs> you feel old. We're yeah, no, we're, we're ancient. Adams, you'll have to tell us some of your Civil War stories. Man. Like, get that going in there. Um, so these, uh, these young people, um, are they're movers and shakers, and they represent what it is that we want to see in schools, which is students advocating, students standing up, and students attempting to make change. 
Adams, man, put your phone on silent. I got people looking. This brother has his. This might be a good time. See, now everybody's checking their phone now. <laughs> I'm, I'm calling out my partner. Meanwhile, like, looking at my phone makes sense. This doesn't happen. Uh, so, um, so these are the young people doing the work that, um, that we want them to do. Um, anyone who is in teaching really doesn't want to do the work for their students. They want to see what the students are able to do. And once these guys start acting autonomously, independently to make change, um, it's inspirational. So um, they are—they represent the 5280 Challenge, uh, which is an initiative in Denver. Does somebody want to talk about 5280 and what that big picture effort's about? Um, well, the 5280 Challenge was originally called the Aspen Challenge, but this move to Denver became a Denver initiative. So basically what the um, challenge is to solve um, social justice issues within your school. So that's what we've been focusing on is like, um, leadership in within schools and our classrooms and clubs. So I feel like that's what our project's been revolved around. All right. Mm -hmm. And could you remind us of, like, you guys have a name for your project, don't yep. you? Oh, uh, yeah. We are Reclaiming Color. Oh, they said it in stereo. They were ready for, they were ready for their moment. <laughs> Somebody want to sort of talk a little bit about what it is that you are hoping to accomplish through uh, Reclaiming Color? I was going to say Renaming Color. <laughs> <laughs> no, we ain't going to call that blue anymore. That's purple now. <laughs> so anybody want to talk a little bit about what the, what the Reclaiming Color initiative is all about? Um, so in our school, we saw a lot of the leadership positions being held by uh, white people, even though the majority of the school is students of color. So we found that this is an issue, and we want to take initiative in order like, to teach ourselves how to lead and to help inspire and teach others how to become leaders in their own communities, their school, their, their homes. Excellent. <laughs> Anyone else want to add anything there? So you say that the... You say that the a lot of these leadership positions are not representative of the school population. Um, what do you all think the reason for that is? And, and I don't know. I, well, Mr. Adams, it's not really fair to ask you this question because you went to Highlands Ranch. So I was just saying, I was just in case anybody has questions about cred. Uh, <laughs> one of us grew up in the points. I'm playing. I'm playing. I'm playing. I'm so no, but I'm, so I think that. Um, but I think even in my own experience um, at the high school I went to, that was definitely the case. That the students were the most involved in things. Um, were generally our white students, and um, and even when it looked a little bit more diverse, there were there were dynamics of privilege there. So so what does that look like, and what so what what's kind of what's the solution? I feel like we can look at Lucette or Leslie. I haven't heard from me all yet. Can I do like why it happens? Yeah. Okay. This was actually what I was assigned when we were first. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. So I think the. The, the root of the problem is um, almost like this systematic racism playing part in our system in school, but also this kind of elitist point of view that maybe uh, because of the externalities that students of color are faced with, they are not um, capable of reaching the same uh, level of leadership as white students. What externalities are you referring to? What is it that prevents uh, students of color from participating in in these activities? And I, and I would assume that this is happening at a lot of other schools, right. that this isn't something that's unique to the school you attend. So what is it that maybe sometimes prevents participation? 
don't want to say it for everyone, but I know personally, like, when someone in a club doesn't, like, I'm a part of specific clubs at school because of the people in them, and also the amount of confidence I have in sharing my opinions within those communities. Okay. So, like, I'm part of LSA because I identify as Latina and because I feel like my voice is heard there and there's something I can do. Yeah. Whereas, you feel like you have you have some impact yeah, yeah, yeah. in that club. Yeah, I think that's that's something I've taken up a lot this year. Like, um, a lot of people have questioned why some of us aren't part of, uh, what's that? Student council. Sorry, sorry. No shade. What's that thing again? No shade intended. No shade intended. Uh, a lot of people have asked why we're not part of student council. Um, and personally, like, I don't see the direct impact student council has on our voice in school. Like, I see them as people, they're awesome. They do awesome things. They put up a lot of the uh, spirit weeks and things like that. But I don't see the impact that I want to create there. Mm-hmm. One thing I want to add, just thinking about Spirit Week, um, so these guys, as part of their effort last week, put together, well, I don't even know if this is what it's called, but I decided I was going to call it that, <laughs> a, a Social Justice Spirit Week, yeah. which, man, like, and, and hold on, we're going to pause for a second so that the uh, everybody listening can write down that phrase, Social Justice Spirit Week, do it in your school. Yeah, so so I think that it was kind of an interesting look at um, this kind of thing, so... Um, all right, so as far as uh, the challenge itself, so the word challenge implies competition. Mm-hmm. Is it a competition? Yes. Yeah. It, is, it is a DPS-wide competition okay. where students from all around DP, uh, DPS are finding those social justice issues in their school and finding ways to make it better, and in the end we will present it and see who made the most progress or who had the kind of the best idea. So how is that assessed? Um, it's usually assessed through community, creativity, um, impact, sustainability, and there's one more. And they added policy. Mm-hmm. Policy. Really Can, cool. Uh, now, here's the important question, since you guys are getting all this publicity. Mm-hmm. Is there, like, a place where our listeners can either, like, support you guys or give you feedback or just check in with you on the grams or the Insta tweets or the chat yes. snaps <laughs> or any of that good we, stuff? Hey, we got this social media game. Yeah. We got this social yeah, well, media Well, we went over this last week. We're on it. social media <laughs> Yeah, I'm the social media. I'll I'm, handle I'm, the, I'm the teenager on but this how, podcast. How, how can people reach <laughs> out and contact you? Because, like, here's what's yeah, going to happen. Absolutely. You're inspiring other people right now. So, so do you guys have a way to contact? Uh, yeah, we have a Facebook. We're at an amazing number of zero likes. So, uh, <laughs> not, not after this. Not after this. <laughs> Leslie didn't know. She's like, "What have I been posting?" For? <laughs> okay, so we're gonna have to get you guys some likes. So, where where can we find you on Facebook? Uh, we're just reclaiming color on Facebook. Reclaiming color on Facebook. Like it, and, and uh, also. Um, we have a conference coming up mm. in March. March eleventh. March eleventh. Great. And if anyone wants to like, and I, I would love to have both of you there to speak to students. Um, so can you guys say because I know I've heard about the conference. Can you tell our listeners a little bit more because I think this is where you guys are really getting into that kind of activism piece and really right. kind of like engaging in like traditionally I think they called them teach-ins. That's right, teach-ins. That's right. Before that's right. That's right. Just before. before. Yeah, just before your days. Just before your days. (laughs) Yes. Slightly after the Civil War. He's younger than he looks, fellas. Barack Obama. (laughs) 
between the Civil War and Barack Obama. <laughs> See how I did that? There's, a, there's a whole lot, a lot there. Lot so you're ca- you're like you're the butler that you saw it all. Uh, I am the butler. I saw it all. all. I've been there. The movie, not a comment on his social class. Oh, there. Oh, 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 that would have been interesting. I'd like to be the butler. You can't you can't see the face he's making, but it's but it's beautiful right there. So so the conference, which will be March eleventh, what is that what day of the week is that? It's a Saturday. Okay. And uh, where will it be held? Here. Here at the Denver Center for International Studies. Yeah. It'll be held at the Denver <laughs> Center for International Studies, a school we might be a little bit familiar with. Yeah. Um, so times, registration, how do they, uh, how, do, how, do, how do the thousands of people who are going to attend know where to go? Right now, we don't know because it's a work in progress. Work in progress. Doing a lot yeah. of stuff with the Social Justice Spirit Week and the March and Rally, so we haven't had enough time to get to the nitty-gritty details of our conference. We're thinking yeah, it's, it's crazy. Activism's busy. <laughs> we're <laughs> thinking so it's going to start around 8, p- 8 mm-hmm. a.m., and we're going to serve breakfast and lunch, and then until about 3 p.m. There's going to be food, y'all. And, uh, Come. <laughs> that's excellent. So, And will there be any charge for people to attend? It's completely no. free. Completely free. So, um, And it is geared towards young people, right? Yes. Holding this conference, of doing that kind colors. of thing. Of all colors. Yes. Excellent. Our team is called Reclaiming Color, but there is a big part of allyship mm-hmm. that will be um, mm-hmm. applied. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so what are you guys, like, ultimately, what are your goals for this conference? We really want to educate uh, whether those stu- like those students of color how to become a leader um, and inspire them, and then also educate the allies like how to be an ally and how to under how to understand and be there for other students of color, because like outside of these four walls we call school, there's so much hate and all. So we want to create that conference as a space to come together, no matter who you are, what you are, and like a space of love and support. Oh, that's cool. It's time to make our weekly shout out to Bell Hooks. Um, so once again, <laughs> if if we uh, so those of you who've listened know that we reference well maybe I do I don't know we we, we talk about Bell. Bell Hooks comes up. We, we talk about it's, like every, it's every episode we got Bell listeners Hooks. of Bell Hooks. So here's our weekly uh, Bell Hooks reference. So uh, Bell Hooks come on the show. Um, so uh, so Bell Hooks writes about schools as being sites of uh, for the practice of freedom, and so as Yasin. Uh, stated that when you get outside of the walls of school it's a it's a rough rough world out there and it's a tough place to be thrown into cold without any kind of preparation and so it's almost like you look at schools as training grounds for um, for the for the world that awaits wait, them. Wait, wait, you're saying that schools oh okay for the world that awaits them. You're not saying that schools are training like how I did grounds that right. to uh, to indoctrinate kids and revolutionary You know, I've always found that really funny because I walk into my classroom every day with my own idea of how things are going to go. And then about 15 minutes in and I'm like, okay, I guess we're not doing that lesson because y'all want to talk about something else. Clearly the people who think that we can indoctrinate and plan it don't spend a lot of time with students. They really overestimate. I mean, maybe, maybe students at other schools are just kind of easy to influence. But, like, I feel like if anyone's been indoctrinated the last decade, it's been me. <laughs> right. So who's going to save teachers from being indoctrinated <laughs> by their right. students? But so, um, so sort of in that same spirit of um, of breaking down walls of hate. Uh, I see what I did there. Walls of hate. Um, the in the spirit of breaking that down, you all um, staged an event um, last. Well, it was basically a week long event that culminated in a rally. Um, so talk a little bit about that because I feel like that is the kind of thing that really leaves an impact. 
Well, I guess we started our week with a march and ended with a march. So basically on Monday was MLK Day, so we went marching together as a team. Tuesday was random acts of kindness because we thought we'd start our week in a positive way, especially since Friday would end in something not so great. So and that was for our spirit week. Yeah, this is for our spirit week. Um, Wednesday, which was Pride Day, so to connect to our LGBT community. Thursday, International Day, since we're an international school. Okay. We don't really see international pride that much in representing our own cultures. And Friday, our last day, would be um, Blackout Day. Somebody want to speak to Blackout Day? Uh, blackout Day. <laughs> Everybody's kind of like, and that's it. Yeah, so it's Blackout. Sounds controversial. <laughs> Uh, so on Blackout Day, uh, a lot of students, like most of the students who attended here, uh, we all decided to wear black, all of us, uh, everything. Teachers too. Teachers mm -hmm. too. Um, black everything. Yeah. <laughs> it was wonderful. I mean, I didn't expect that many people to participate, but um, I was surprised and happy that that happened in my community. And then all of us, we organized the event, the last period of the day, because of the inauguration. And big shout out to the school leadership because uh, the uh, the leadership of the school um, they set aside time for this at the end of the day and um, and it was kind of last minute in terms of how it all worked and so yeah. that happened. Uh, so black is is typically associated with mourning. Um, what was it that you were mourning? I don't know. Uh, I come to school every day. <laughs> you, you were morning coming to school? <laughs> Sorry. Okay, real okay. talk. Real talk, real talk, real yeah, talk. Yeah, um, I've been raised uh, very differently than what the political climate is showing right now. I've been raised on, like, liberal ideals. Uh, I'm a person of color. I've always had strong opinions about a lot of uh, issues. And to see that everything that we've worked for all our lives, like throughout school, everything that I was passionate about being voted against and uh, having the other side, the side of like hate rhetoric, uh, Islamophobia, anti-immigration, mm -hmm. when um, that made me sad and that made me realize like my place in the world. Uh, like you said in class the other day, you said we can choose to have who we wanna have on Facebook or like social media. And, but I choose, I think it's important to choose like a diverse perspective mm -hmm. because I, I don't know a single person who voted for Trump. Like that's just the community I've surrounded myself with. So I guess that came as a shock and um, Trump has said a lot, of, a lot of things about minorities in this country. Uh, so I guess that day was to mourn like my hopes, my dreams, my uh, wishes for the future and everything we've worked for. He, he's getting snaps, he's as getting he says. Snaps. <laughs> yeah. Um, For me, it was also sort of a day of mourning, but it was also a, a scary day because before the selection, I had never, even though I identify as a minority, I had never felt that fear of walking down the, the street and, oh, someone's going to say something to me, someone's going to hurt me. But now it feels like America is against me, and that was that's a scary feeling to have. Yeah. Do you do you know people in your community who are who are Trump supporters who who were happy with the outcome? How have so so one thing I'm curious about um, political questions in schools are always a little bit hazy on like how those kind of play out, and so the the question is what about them? So what about those students for whom this wasn't a cause to mourn? How did you, how did you address conversations with them? Or did you feel like you were able to? 
I personally don't feel like we're able to do that. Um, so before all of the planning, like throughout the week, we were supposed to make it two periods long, but we couldn't end up doing that. And uh, one of the periods is going to be left for discussion and facilitated workshops, kind of. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, that wasn't an option, but at the end of the day, we wanted to keep the blackout. We wanted to keep the rally, so that's what yeah. we um, So initially, most. there was going to be a space for dialogue, and just because of scheduling constraints, yeah. you weren't able to yeah. have that. Um, so, um, so it is interesting, and, and I think the school itself is overwhelmingly on the same page with you and I yeah. think even some of our more conservative students would concede that point and say yeah, <laughs> yeah. we're definitely yeah. not the majority here yeah. um, so it's it's an interesting thing to we're, think we're about we're not the uh, electoral college we're not the electoral <laughs> college <laughs> this is true <laughs> yes that's right that's very true yeah that's right and so so yeah and and so in your passage Leslie had to do with the 13th, 13th amendment right uh, that, or no it was the voting rights act I talked about the 13th Amendment because yep. I referenced um, mass incarceration and the loss of citizenship. Right. Yeah. And, and just a, an aside, these students um, have to do a 15 page college ready research paper. Um, that they during, have to present, that they have to, present to an audience of their right. peers. Which we did yesterday. Which, yes. which was snaps. yesterday. Snaps to all of them. Um, I was talking to my students about how great it is, like how many different schools actually hand over an entire day of teaching and learning to the students. It all belongs to the students, and we're there for crowd control. That's, it, that's, <laughs> that's it. about it. So um, so how did you all feel that... Um, how did you all feel about the uh, the week itself, like your event and how it kind of came off? How did you feel? Like, did you feel it was successful? Or? Yeah, I'm very proud of us. Yeah, I'm, I'm very proud. Um, on Friday, actually, Yassine and I were talking about it, um, how conflicting it feels to kind of work towards revolution within administration because we did end up only having like 40 minutes each and I wanted with everything in me to walk out but um, we talked about the importance of leadership within our school because mm -hmm. maybe like maybe Sabat <laughs> you, you can talk about the, the All right, you can so maybe, maybe like sixth graders or like younger kids don't know what they're doing when they're walking out maybe mm -hmm. we do but the important thing is to be there in community I think really I, I love your point right there and and I, I'm it's it's very auspicious that you kind of came to that conclusion about how hard it is working within the system because I think it's something that we've talked about even at our conference at the SRI conference is like well, when you become this teacher, you know, you're kind of becoming part of the, the, the dominant culture, the right. system. And so the question is, is how do you kind of maintain that revolution, uh, revolutionary identity mm -hmm. while at the same time working within the system? Yeah. You know, and so I really think it's impressive. But can you guys talk about that? How do you think this work kind of helped you see that balance of kind of maintaining a revolutionary attitude and belief while still working within the system. Yeah, mm. I think uh, as us, like, we want to be leaders. And for me to walk out, that's a personal decision I did for me. Mm -hmm. that, would be, that, would me that would be me making a statement. Uh, but all the other people who couldn't walk out, all the people who didn't want to walk out, who wanted to stay in school or, like, attend last period or something, 
that all the people who would have had to deal with their mothers. Yeah. I can't imagine <laughs> my mom yeah. if yeah. if I walked yeah, out of school. Right, being a sixth grader. <laughs> so, uh, so in case you wonder who that voice is, that's uh, Sebastian. He's in here. Uh, he's he's in the sixth he's grade here. For those of you, for those of you who don't know us, um, this school uh, is six through twelve. So we have middle schoolers and high schoolers um, intermingling. So, so uh, you seen you were talking about how if you had walked out, it would have been an individual choice for you, um, and that there are others that may not be able to make that choice. So. So uh, I guess I wanted to keep the revolutionary ideas. We all had that passion, that drive, that flame. But instead of walking out, we decided to put the passion out there for all the other students. We wanted to show them that you are accepted here. This is your school. This is your land. And by walking out, I couldn't do that. I couldn't make a statement to myself, but I couldn't make a statement to others. We wanted to make the revolution accessible to others. Oh, wow. wow. Revolutionary <laughs> accessibility. That's right. The, the revolution is here. The revolution is accessible. So, so it's, it's an interesting thing. What, what have you learned about, um, about justice movements through your work, both with 5280 and, and through this very sort of um, very contentious political season that goes back the last year and a half? What have you learned about your work? I think the, the, like, the biggest one I noticed being doing this for like two years is that it doesn't happen immediately. Like, I feel like that's, that can be really frustrating and <laughs> both like making me want to work at the same time. Like this isn't going to be work you're going to see happen the next day. It's going to be work you're going to see happen within the next few years. So that makes me just want to work harder and make sure all these students have their rights, have their, um, I guess, resources, have what they want to do and make sure it's accessible to them. So, Ampa, oh, can you say more? Like, so, like, it's really awesome what you're talking about because you're engaging as a senior <laughs> in work that you just said, I will probably not see the payoff. Mm-hmm. Why are you willing to do that? Because it's not always about me. That's being selfish. Oh. I feel like <laughs> helping these sixth graders have the rights I couldn't have, that means the world to me. Awesome. Yeah. Others, other lessons from from this work? Um, we went. We all went to the MLK parade, and one of the chants they said was like, when they're coming for our Latino brothers and sisters, what do we do? And stand the whole crowd would say, stand up, fight back. And I think that really captures the essence of it. And they kept on saying, like, different minority groups, different kinds of people, different genders, um, and different sexualities. But no matter who you are, it, it kind of made me see that unity is a necessity in revolution. And uh, like, like a lot of people view revolutions as war, bloody hate, and all, but really it's about, it's a movement of love. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a movement of ideals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's important. <laughs> I think that's really important. Um, you know, we get caught up in that it's about outcomes. But I think when you say it's about ideals, if my ideals aren't reached, then I still do that work, right, every day because I know we're getting closer to those, and that's how I live. Um, so I have a real question. So 5280 is an outside-of-school type of activity, right? This is extracurricular. Yeah. Um, and so what I, I have a curious question. Um, first of all, so you guys are engaging in extracurricular work that you didn't have to do. Mm-hmm. How do you see that work as different from the work that you're asked to do in classes? And why do you feel like this work in some ways, and I, I, I guess you guys can tell me, 
is more engaging than some of the work that you're asked to do in class? And why are you willing to kind of do this work outside of class on top of the work that you have in class? I think I find it more engaging because I know what I want and what I have to do in order to get the results that I want. And like like Aunt Bo said, maybe the results won't come the next day, maybe for like 10 generations. But I can see myself and my efforts go to like a good place. Whereas like when a teacher says, oh, do this warm up for me, and it's like math. <laughs> 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 I'm like, yeah, I rag on math a lot, but I, I just, I'm never gonna, I might use math, but it, it will never be like, how to complete a square. <laughs> <laughs> For me, the reason that I joined this was because I saw a direct connection to what I wanted to do with my future mm -hmm. because I wanted to become superintendent of the district. Mm. And that's changed a little bit. But <laughs> All right, so I'm going to stick around. I'm going to stick around because I know the change is coming. And <laughs> Superintendent, finally, I'm yeah. okay. Yeah. That's what I've been waiting for. That's right. So I can't I was, wait. I was just waiting. I was wanting to get the skills here that I would need later. Yeah, very cool. Very cool. And and so, um, like, continuing on this, because I think part of our is, is, is how do we engage kids of color in particular? Do you think, like, if, and you're speaking to teachers and other teachers who are listening to this, you know, uh, do you... Would you advocate for more of this type of work versus, like, using the traditional curriculum? And for those people who are like, well, it's not standards-based and, and, and it's, it's not rigorous and it won't prepare them for the test, how would you guys counteract that? What would you guys say to counteract those arguments? Because those are the types of arguments that we get if I was like, you know, my kids are going to engage in this challenge. And I, this is something that I'm trying to do uh, with the sixth graders. I might pick some of you guys' thinking. Um, for the rest of the year is do some challenge-based learning. Mm -hmm. But how would you guys, what would you, your response if people were like, it's not rigorous, it doesn't prepare you for the test, it doesn't do this? Well, I think anything that you do is critical thinking. And if you have critical thinking, you can do anything. You can memorize equations for math. You can memorize words for um, for history. You will not memorize them, but realize what they mean if you have critical thinking. And this kind of work engages your critical thinking. Yeah. Um, well, this is basically what our whole project was about, because we first read the results from the whole child, which I guess is a thing in DPS or whatever, and we realized that our school is lacking in engagement in um, both mm -hmm. parent and student, and what we realized is that, I guess, the, I guess, how do I phrase this, like, school, school education isn't really, um, aimed for students of color, they're aimed for the white students the way they're, uh, I guess, the, the the way you learn and stuff is so like traditional methods yeah. and traditional curriculum. Yeah. Sit and just get in and, and be the sponge and mm -hmm. kind of put it yeah. back out when, mm -hmm. when it's time. Mm -hmm. and, and yeah. 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 <laughs> um, a lot of people think of education or teaching as like coming from the books. Like you're reading your curriculum, you're trying to teach the students the curriculum. But that's such a small portion of the education that happens. Mm -hmm. It's the interactions, it's mm -hmm. it's what the students learn. For example, like you can tell a child, don't touch the fire, the fire is hot, uh, like a thousand times, but when he touches that fire, he's going to learn from it. And so <laughs> so like a, that's like in, in like Mexican culture, let him do it, that way you'll learn. <laughs> but yeah, you're right, it's, you, you, it's almost like n nothing rings true. <laughs> 
unless you have an authentic experience yeah. with it. And how many times have we referenced Paulo Freire on this podcast? Uh, is it I every episode? It's probably Bell Hooks. Bell and Paulo. Okay, so, so Paulo Freire, you know, he, he does argue that there is no word that can be spoken that's not at the same time right. a praxis. praxis. So in other words, that, yeah. y- you know, you see it in classes, right, where people will say things that are progressive and open-minded and, like, the right thing to say, um, but then you don't see them living it. Yeah. And so Freddy would say that, look, if, if you're saying it but not living it, then it's not true. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just simply not true. So people who speak out against racism but then sort of benefit and participate in racist structures, then... Mm-hmm you don't really believe that yeah. if, if you're yeah. benefiting those you're not being really mindful um so so it's interesting stuff and um and and it's great so uh, the thing that came to mind as you were speaking you seen was uh that old saying don't let uh don't let school get in the way of your education yeah. Yeah. and uh, and i feel like that's something you all are living um out here so excellent work that you're doing we want to pivot real quickly to um sort of another topic that uh that we try to revisit on the podcast as often as we can and that is um the role of teachers of color in in serving students of color um in educational systems so um so a couple of questions have come up previous episodes we talked a little bit about how there was a report that came out of the university that most uh most students in general of all colors prefer to have teachers of color um and yet there seems to still be kind of a shortage of teachers of color in classrooms so um what have been your experiences in having teachers of color and what do you think about this idea of um needing to increase uh the number of teachers of color in the workforce we have a future superintendent of color sitting here, so that's, <laughs> so that's definitely a start. Important question. <laughs> my first teacher was actually my also my first teacher of color. And until I was in third grade did I have a, a white teacher. And then when I got into sixth grade, there was more, the, again, t- teachers of color. So I never felt that I didn't have that connection because I always had someone to go back to. If I had trouble with my teacher, there was always another teacher I could go to. So, so you actually you've experienced firsthand the benefit of of having teachers of color present in your education. And what was that benefit? You said someone to go back to. What does that mean? Well, it was. I think it was just because I had started with them. I felt like I grew up with them, and they mm-hmm. were always there. So mm-hmm. I don't know if that had to do because they were mm-hmm. um, teachers of color, or if it was just because I was used to being around them so much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I. I guess I sort of relate because um, I guess my throughout my whole education or whatever I've been, always gone to an international school. That means there's always been more student te- teachers of color, and so I've had the privilege of having teachers of color and always seeing them by my side. But one thing I've always noticed, I guess, going to a school that has more um, white teachers, I suppose, is that. Teachers of color, I guess, are like my hope because you guys made it out. You guys like beat the system are now coming back to teach us the system how to get out of here. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. for sure. I didn't have my first teacher of color until eighth grade. Uh, I went to a really, like, I was the only colored kid in the whole Do we mention where Mr. Adams went to high school? Because I feel like I got to call that out every Why episode. do you guys <laughs> go through this, man? It's a lovely place. It's very bright. It's very bright. Somebody grew up in the woods. It's very. We come together. We come together. The ranch. Come together. The ranch. <laughs> so you were saying it's not you really see. Ranch. <laughs> go ahead. In case you guys were confused. <laughs> Uh, my first uh, teacher of color was Miss Williams, and uh, I love mm-hmm. her so much. 
She literally drove me to come to this school to have a passion for social justice, for writing. Like, I can't tell you how much of an impact that teacher had on me. And um, at the point, I didn't realize it, but I can just have a connection with her. She came from the same humble beginnings that I come from. She's been trying to break the system down, and she really inspired me, and she sparked a flame in me. Mm. Oh. Shout out to Ms. Shout Williams. Out Williams. Shout out Don't to Ms. Williams. Don't it worked. <laughs> it worked. <laughs> yeah. Got that. Well, I think uh, similar to Lucero and um, I had a couple teachers of color at my at my elementary school. So I've been here since middle school, and then my other teacher of color up until then was probably you, Savano, <laughs> and Rivera. <laughs> and then later I had Munoz. But um, and I feel like I've. I've, um, I don't know how many teachers in this building listen to your podcast, but like, y'all, a few, y'all are a few. two of my favorite teachers. Uh, <laughs> you didn't know that. Uh, yeah, but I've definitely seen the. So my brother goes to the same elementary school that I went to, um, and my neighborhood has changed from predominantly Latino to like gentrified white neighborhood. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. His school has changed principals I think like four times now yeah Mm. and he's in fifth grade he's coming here next year Mm. um yeah and he has had zero teachers of color so I'm really excited for him to go into your social studies class and see what that outcome will be like because it feels he feels almost like not attached to school and that's really weird for me because my favorite years by far have been elementary school so yeah especially I know I had a teacher of color in kindergarten. Probably doesn't count, but <laughs> yeah. counts. My first teacher of color was in then kindergarten, from, one of the only ones. From there on out, I went through elementary school with all white teachers. Then I came here, and I had Mr. Adams, and um, it's been it's been cool to have another teacher. <laughs> <laughs> we kind of relate out sometimes. We look at each other. We like, do that connection, brother to brother thing. Yeah. yeah. We got to make a hashtag. Hashtag Highlands So what is it specifically then? Um, like, do, do you feel that just good teaching is just good teaching? Or yeah. do you feel that teachers of color often bring something different? So you think it's just good teaching? I think it's just good teaching. I listened to your podcast, and you guys were talking about relatability, and you just mentioned it with Sebastian. I think that's so real because my teachers of color in elementary school – even though I didn't realize it until, like, reflecting now. I'm thinking about the times that we, like, spoke Spanish during class or, like, we both liked the same food. And even, like, little things like that made me like them even more. And just, like, when we were talking about resistance and things like that, like, you are teaching liberation, I think. Not that white teachers don't. It's just, it's a lot more evident to me that you live the struggle. Because mm-hmm. I feel like it's like the step between <coughs> sympathetic and empathetic because yeah. you live through that struggle. Yeah. You have the authentic, whatever that word is. Can't think of it right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> it's just like, Words are hard. Yeah. <laughs> I guess it's more or less of a pity, but more I, I get you. You understand me. We've been through the same scrub- struggle or stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, I grew up not even knowing what this sounds really dumb, but not knowing what race was. Mm. I didn't know how to look at people differently because of the, the where they came from. Mm-hmm. And until I came, until last year, where I started to really notice that. So I think that's why I, I never struggled in school with connecting with my teachers because I think I just connected with them 
through knowing that my mother was a teacher and I grew up already in the school and my love for what they were teaching me. I was always interested in what they were saying. So, so it's almost the ecosystem that you came up in was just different and yeah. it sort of, yeah. it helped you to feel comfortable in school yes. in ways that maybe others may not in mm-hmm. other places. Yeah. yeah, Sebastian. I feel like uh, good teaching is good teaching regardless, but at the same time, teachers of color who can relate to students of color also helps a little more in the form of education and being able to really talk to your teacher. Like, I've been, I grew up in my elementary school with all white teachers, but now I see that there are more teachers of color out there than there are just in kindergarten. (laughs) And it's cool to be able to relate to somebody, uh, another figure of authority Mm -hmm. in your community. Yeah. Yeah. So then what would, um, we, we had some pretty interesting conversations um, offline with uh, with some of our white colleagues who, um, they're down, like we're not, yeah, we're yeah. definitely not calling them out. But the, but the question then becomes, so then if you're a white teacher and you know that um, students generally, according to some of this research, would prefer to have teachers of color, what would your advice be to white teachers who really want to be allies and who really who really want to fill an important space in your life as students, what would you say to those teachers? Go that extra mile, I think. <clears throat> like, to cross that boundary for just becoming, I guess, more of a, a more loving relationship, a more understanding relationship, even though you don't come from diff- same back- different backgrounds and, like, stuff like that, but just making sure you understand that student and that you're there for them 120%. I feel like that makes a difference, especially, like, with FD. She goes, like, 120. I think how too. Showing the love. Showing the love. (laughs) I felt that a lot with Mr. Andrew this year. Andrew, oh, my God. There's so much love. love. (laughs) Y'all got to subscribe so you can hear the love that you're getting right now. You're getting some love right now. You're seeing the love right now. That's good. So it's about showing you have a heart. You want to say something, you see? Yeah. um, I remember, like, there was a couple tough days, like, politically, especially the day after Mm -hmm. Trump got elected. Mm -hmm. And so I came here to school. I didn't expect any reaction. But to see, like, like, my white teachers were crying Mm -hmm. and hugging me and saying, you're gonna stay here, like we have your back. I am ready to lay down my life for you. That kind of like, that gives me goosebumps. Yeah. Because a lot of people don't expect that. And they're like, oh, they're not people of color or anything. Mm But like I'm just Miss Hauk. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> <I love her. laughs> uh, yeah, to see that out there, it it just shows a different perspective. I mean, yeah. 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 Another yeah. shout out to Miss FD, but I think doing supporting work like the 5280 challenge, yeah. I feel like that mm-hmm. that truly helps. I guess that other bridge to cross that bridge and meet me on the other side. Yeah, yeah. because what we're looking at here is a white teacher who is invested time and resources into supporting this movement which is ostensibly an anti-racist movement um and and that's a really powerful thing i think also what i hear you guys saying is people supporting you in your vision right and not challenge you and 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 respecting that vision and appreciating it and saying even if maybe not necessarily we know the teachers that we're talking about totally agree with the vision (laughs) but like even the ones that don't you know are still supportive and still working with you and letting you guys kind of guide your own learning yeah Mm -hmm. that's right that's right there's like a couple teachers that like teach the curriculum off the book close the book and leave and then Mm -hmm. you have those teachers who stay those yeah. teachers who ask you, like, how are you doing? Those, those teachers who put the passion mm-hmm. 
and like pour their hearts out for the students. Mm-hmm. So it's all about heart, y'all. It's all about. I mean, that's what it really. It's funny heart. because it's kind of like you know, there's a whole lot of there's yeah, there's a whole lot of research around this kind of thing. Which but. leap indicator is love? <laughs> which one is compassion and love? Which I mean, observation. I've never heard a person be like, "Oh, you have so much love and compassion really? for your students." Yeah. I really yeah, that means you're effective. How yeah. I feel like I feel, I feel I feel like our principal recognizes I the love, but for I, sure. I, I but yeah, I, I but I mean, out. it, it I'm is. It, she, 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 she shouted me out for that. Yep. So. It, but it is it is definitely true that the that the power of a of a of a strong relationship between teacher and students is is often it's often kind of treated as an aside or as an extra or something that doesn't really have any relationship to academics. And you guys are saying it's a little bit different. So, um, well, listen, I feel like we've, uh, we've definitely run up to the end of our time today. Anything you guys want to say about your effort, about each other, shout outs, anything like that? Support our conference. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be there. March 11th, Denver Center for International <laughs> Studies, located at 574 West 6th Avenue, and we'll definitely what? post a... Uh, well, I've been here 10... I've, I've been around, I've been around for a long time. Address, whenever I yeah. Paperwork. yeah, I usually guess on the zip code. <laughs> like, I can never remember the zip code. I think it is, yeah. So I've been guessing right for a long time. So that, so uh, check out that conference. We'll have a we'll have a link to it on um, on our Facebook page. And um, if you want to reach any of these young people, please feel free to email uh, two dope teachers at gmail.com for any of the things that you want to say. I uh, really want to just thank you all for fighting the good fight and doing that real work out there. This is the kind of thing that, um, and I think I I speak for Kev here. Um, this is the kind of thing that we want to see our students. And this is like a dream come true. Students actually uh, standing up and, and trying to advocate for change, both inside and outside of the community, something that they were not assigned to do for That's points. Right. That's right. Um, so it's a really beautiful thing. Anything you want to want to shout out to these guys? I just want to tell all you guys, you guys are my heroes. So Amen. I, I Amen. love what you're doing yep. and keep it up. And anything I can do to support all of you, I am down for the cause. And, you know... All right. I mess with y'all hard body karate. <laughs> hard body karate. He said hard body karate. Um, that's one, one of our favorite things. Shout out to Miss Hawk, although she's not a teacher of mine yet. Uh, <laughs> looking forward to it. Yeah, shout out to the teachers that were shouted out here. Um, you know that one thing students do is they do not lie if they uh, like or dislike someone. So you know no. it's love. No, they don't play around. They don't play around. No. So, <laughs> yeah, we, we that happens sometimes. So we we, we have. We have a little unofficial sign-off that we like to do. We like to encourage everybody to stay dope. So um, if y'all would help us out, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to count down uh, or count up, count up, count down. I don't know. Countdown. I'm going to count to three. And uh, and if you, you all would just say stay dope to our listeners out there, um, feel free to hit us up. We're on Twitter at Two Dope Teachers, Instagram Two Dope Teachers. Like us on Facebook. Shoot us an email um, and uh, download and listen, but mostly download, yeah. uh, so we can get those likes. And if you and if you uh, like what you're hearing, uh, write us a review on iTunes. That helps um, our word get out to others who might be interested in the same topic. So on the count of three, one, two, three, stay, stay dope. dope. <laughs> <laughs>